The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner. You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We're here to remind you, you're grown and you got this. Welcome to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Due to the global coronavirus pandemic, Many of us are not traveling on an airplane as much as we used to or as much as we would like to. But as we think back fondly on our unrestricted high-flying days, I want to focus our attention on the pre-flight directions that, while vitally important, many of us dismiss or disregard until there is an actual emergency. The flight attendants very clearly demonstrate and tell us to place your oxygen mask on first before you assist the person next to you. As a mother, my gut reaction wants to disregard this direction because as a mother, I want to put my kids first. But how can I take care of them when I am struggling to breathe myself? Today's grown girl, Sita Walters, found herself struggling to breathe as she lost her sense of self in the day-to-day of motherhood. She was so busy putting everyone else before her that she wasn't looking out for herself. She needed to find her oxygen mask, and she found it with the creation of her lifestyle blog, Clark and Stone, which has become her space to share her love for fashion, travel, and motherhood all together. But as we know in life, even when oxygen is flowing, there are times in life when it's still hard to breathe. With the creation of her Sita Diary series, Sita shares the vulnerability of navigating motherhood, a breast cancer diagnosis, and a divorce, all while maintaining her sense of self. Sita, I'm so honored that you are joining me today in this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So listen, you know, life happens so fast. You know, one day you're single and ready to mingle. Then you find yourself married and ready to start a family. And before you know it, your days are filled with running kids to and from their activities. And, you know, both of us are moms and wives. And we're just doing everything we can to try to hold everything together for everybody because that's what we do. But at some point, we look up and we don't know who we are anymore. So for you, at what point did you start feeling like you were losing your sense of self and had to do something for yourself? It was... um... You know, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and I, I say that there's a struggle for mothers working in or out of the home. Sure. But but for me working in the home, there and my hus- my soon-to-be ex-husband, or I refer to him as my husband. Yes. That he was my husband. Um, he's an entrepreneur. And before kids, if we had dinner with another couple or with friends, the conversation floated around the table 
to want to know what was going on in everyone's lives. And after kids, that conversation still existed for everyone but me. Okay. It, I was given kind of like the pity, like, you know, like, what do we talk to her about? So it was yeah. always just, how are the kids? And it was like, wait, what? Like, I was a whole person before <laughs> I had kids, you know? Right, right. And I mean, it, motherhood hasn't reinvented a wheel. It's like Groundhog's Day. So it's like, you really want to know how many diapers I changed, right. which play date I went on, you know? which park I took them to, you know, like how many times I lost my mind in a day. Like you really want to know that versus asking how I'm doing, like what am I doing? Um, And that was when I realized that maybe they were only asking me that because that's all I was doing for myself was being a mom. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about the dinnertime conversation with friends. Now that, you know, my mind is really going through this process of when you're around the table with friends and you start talking about what's everybody got going on. And at some point when it becomes you, all you're talking about are the kids, the kids yeah. then it, it's, well, wait a minute, what do I have going on for me? That's really interesting because I, yeah. I didn't think of it in that way, but I can see how that certainly happens because it, it happens to all of us, whether we're working in the home or outside the home where yeah. That's the topic of conversation because that's what we have going on. Yes, yes. And that was when I realized I didn't have anything going on. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, again, you know, my grandmother always say, you know, turn that outward finger finger inward because it's like I was pointing the finger. Like, this is, they're not, like, interested in me. And it's like, turn the finger inward. Like, what am I, am I interested in me? Um, so Clark and Stone kind of came about me dating myself again. Like I felt like that year, Stone was four and he was in preschool four days a week. Okay. And that was mostly because of his personality. Like I should have named him something other than Stone. (laughs) (laughs) I have one of those. I have one of those. (laughs) Right? It's the second child. It's the second child. It is. Yes, Mm -hmm. Clark was an angel baby. And it's only now that he's turned into a teenager, you know, emotionally and and mentally. But still just, you know, was a much easier toddler. And so with putting Stone in preschool four days a week, it's like, well, what do I do? Okay. So I kind of created my own little personal annex of like learning, just like any interest I had. I was going to pursue it. And with that came starting a blog. Okay. And it was something that a friend's husband suggested to me 10 years ago. I looked at him like he had three heads. And he's like, <laughs> you start a blog. I'm like, what? Like, that's not going to last. You know, right. hindsight, right? Hindsight. Yes. And I let fear, you know, table it for me for a while. And that year that Stone started preschool, I'm like, I'm going to do it. It was that thing that just kept nagging at me and wouldn't go away. Like, so I'm like, you know, the worst I could do is try. Like, you know, the worst I could do is succeed, you know. That's right. You know, like, so I'm going to do it. So I literally decided that December, uh, so I launched October 2016 on my birthday. Okay. And I decided December 2018 that I was going to do it. 
and gave myself a full 10 months to launch. Oh my gosh. I know. And I'm not tech savvy. So the fact that initially I built my own website myself, I bought a theme, I bought other plugins, you know, that like created the coding for me. Yes. Um, And I had a friend who told me at the moment, she's like, you know, you should just do it yourself. You know, you're going to, you know, have so much reward in doing it yourself versus paying someone. And I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. Right? Right. I'm clueless. (laughs) But she, there was lots of truth to that because, you know, I can say this started 100%, you know, just me and, you know, I'd be up till three and four in the morning to, to launch. And then after launching, and I had a friend, Tasha, who um, is in uh, editing and she'd okay. edit my posts, but none of us had ever worked with WordPress in the sense that, you know, your Yoast SEO plugin yes. to get those green lights, it like, you know, and we're like new at it. It'd take forever. Like, you know, and, and dissecting my blog post to get a green light. And it's like, this isn't even what I'm trying to say anymore. You know, all for the green light. <laughs> okay. You are speaking my language. I will tell you, I am not tech savvy. And when I started this podcast, this has been in the works for a long time. And, and I could tell you the exact same thing where I'm up all hours of the night. I'm trying to figure it out and I'm trying to understand. And I have a greater appreciation, I will tell you, for bloggers and techies and podcasters because all of the behind the scenes and the nuances that people don't see, they see, of course, the end result. Like, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And here you were doing this. With two little ones. I know. And, and then getting up and yes. doing drop off and pick up. Yes. And, but I was so driven. It was like my adrenaline rush. Okay. One of my best friends I saw after I launched, launched and she's like, you're back. You're alive. Like, oh. and yes. and that was when I realized that I, I had disappeared. I had like dimmed my light for my husband to shine, for my yes. kids to shine. And I was not a priority for myself. But it's so easy to happen. And, and it happens and we don't even most of the time see it until right, something right. like this, right? Where life is just moving on. And again, we are taking care of everyone else. Yeah. And we're just going along. And then you've had this now reawakening and it's yes. so gratifying one to have that, but two, to have others then recognize and say, that's my girlfriend. There you are again. Yes. We missed you, <laughs> you know? And I'm the friend who's like, well, then why didn't you tell me a long time ago? You exactly. should have said something. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> but you know, all things happen in, in in time and in 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 the way that they in the way that they should. So here yeah. you are. You've started this this blog, and originally it's an outlet for you to find yourself to to reengage and and to really explore those things that are interesting to you. Were you hoping to connect or inspire other people or was it really just 
I'm just out here doing my thing. And if people are interested, great, um, because I need this for me. It, I want to say it started for me, but I know the ambition behind the quote unquote hobby didn't match. So okay. I want to say it was probably always subconsciously to inspire other women. Um, women specifically, but moms specifically, um, really specifically for moms, because working in or out of the home, we, it's just our, our spirits to put our families first. Yes. Yes. And so as you became more comfortable with blogging and this being your safe space with moms in mind and having that motivation, is that how you became then more comfortable with sharing even more personal things about you? So not just, hey, here's where I'm going. Here are great things to check out in our great city of Chicago. But here's more about me and what I'm going through. Was was there a shift to where you started to say, here's real life as a real mom trying to forge my way. And I want to share this with you. It was social media. Okay. Um and it's twofold with social media. One is that I don't think young girls, and, and this was my motivation, I don't think young girls see the the road travel to success. I feel reality shows have made um, success appear to be overnight. Okay. And it, social media, Instagram in particular, creates like a highlight reel where young girls and, and, and women, we are, are constantly comparing ourselves. Yes. And so it was one year, it, I think it was two years ago that it was approaching Mother's Day and someone commented that, you know, my kids were beautiful and that they wish they had my life or something about it. I had a perfect life or they wish I had my life. And I was like, wow, like, you know, considering that person doesn't know like right. how I struggle with perfectionism, how I struggle with like type A, you know, OCD yes. wanting to control. It's like, no, I don't think you really want this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yes. but then like looking at my feed, I was like, well, I can see why she said, like, my life looks perfect. And it was like two years ago, I knew I wasn't happily married, but, you know, we appeared to be happily married. But I wrestled with that, that I'm like, here's the time for me to share that, you know, I agree. I agree that my kids look cute, but you don't know unless you're a close friend of mine that it took me two years to get pregnant. And, you know, that turmoil that I had of, you know, and that trying to get pregnant two years after my mother passed away and then getting pregnant and not having a postpartum depression, but prepartum depression, because my whole pregnancy was me not being able to accept that I was pregnant without my mom, you know? Okay. Like, yes, yes. And so, you know, that one blog post of Bittersweet Mama was me sharing how Mother's Day is tough for me, one, remembering my infertility journey and two, being a mother and not having my mother. Yes. Because those are the things that people won't see in a blog post, you know, on a, on a, on a pick on a blog pick on Instagram. But I think it's so, 
important to reiterate this message that what we see isn't the full story most of the time. And I agree with you that social media has really kind of emphasized and glamorized success and, you know, hashtag relationship goals, hashtag mom goals, and this idea of goals. But most of the goals are not what people think they are. And so here you are saying, yes, I have these two boys that I love and I adore, but you don't know the backstory to their births. You don't know my day to day. You don't know the struggles that I have. And yet the comments are, you know, mom goals or or relationship goals. And and that doesn't take away from the beauty by which uh, your relationship with your children are, but, but it really isn't the full picture. Right. And so kudos to you for recognizing that and saying, I want people to at least have a full picture. I'm not yeah. just one dimensional. It's not just about glossy images. Um, success does not come overnight. There's hard work that goes into everything that we do. And I want to make sure that I'm authentic and I'm, I'm transparent when telling these, when telling these stories. Yeah. And I will you know, say to you that as someone who, who does follow you on, on social media, I am very taken by your level of transparency, your glossy images, which are stunning, but, but, but they're the, uh, the stories that you share are also as intriguing and compelling and inspirational. And so the two of those really, I think, share a greater picture and, and a more developed picture that I'm hopeful that other influencers will move towards for the next generation. So with you having, you know, thousands of followers across your various platforms, you know, when you post about fashion and travel and, and motherhood, and again, despite this, you maintain this level of of transparency about what's going on. And one of the big areas that you have been very transparent about deals with your decision to file for divorce from your husband, who you do affectionately refer to as your husband, and and your telling of your story. And what I find to be very compelling and, again, transparent about you writing about getting to the place of making the decision is that you were very clear about this being a journey and and a process so that it was not something that you came to overnight. And as a divorce attorney, you know, I work with clearly clients who are going through the process and the journey and it's hard for people to talk about it. So what inspired you to share your story on the blog? Because I have clients who may have been going through the process a year or two years, and one or two people may actually know that they're actually getting a divorce. I know. Like, I mean, divorce is like taboo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, yes. I mean, I really... Started 2019 with thinking I was going to get through at least 
two more years of marriage. Okay. Um, I knew I wanted a divorce. Four years ago, I knew I wanted a divorce. And then every time someone like became like ill, like a life-threatening illness, or they passed away, I used that as motivation to try to make it work. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight because four years ago, I felt like this isn't going to work. And it took me three years to finally say, I'm sorry, I want a divorce. And I, I had said that the year before, and we tried counseling, um, and I just couldn't do it. And I think what happens with any divorce, because I planned if, you know, if I hadn't gotten breast cancer, that this was going to be my thing, like, because I just really want to change the narrative around divorce that, you know, I think the only measuring tool in our society for divorce, and Dr. Shivali has touched on this, is longevity. And so yes. people are gauging the success of their marriage just on the amount of years that they've been together. Yes. And I, I was guilty of that too. Like, oh, let me get to seven. Yes. Oh, let me get to 10. Yes. And, you know, then, you know, we went to Montreal to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm still in love with him. Um, we just needed to get away because our boys are 18 months apart and he works all the time. And then we came home and what was making me want a divorce like came reappeared back. in less yes. than two weeks. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Well, damn, like it, it's, it's, it's us. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and, and for me, I feel like what I have learned in a marriage is that you can't ever really stop looking at that person as your boyfriend and girl, or girlfriend. Yes. Because when that man was my boyfriend, I never took him for granted and That's he right. never took me for granted. The minute we became husband and wife, you we stopped both, dating. We stopped dating. Yes. But even with the dating, like, it's like you can go on a date and still just assume that my time is your time. Like you yeah, Yes, that's right. But I there there it's a different type of dating, right? Yeah, because yeah. when you're before you're married and you go on a date, there is an excitement. There is, ooh, what should I wear? What should I do? You know, there there's it's there's something different. There's a there's a yeah. feeling that's different. When you go on a date when you're married, it's all right, who's get? Did I get the sitter? Right. What time yeah. are you know? Are we getting back? Are we going to the restaurant that we love that we always go to, or are we going to the place that you know it's quick, it's easy, it's in or out? So there's a different. It, it, there's a difference. Yeah. Every blue moon, yeah, there might be a black tie or some sort of fun event, and you get to the event, you go one way, he goes the other way because exactly. you see your friends or you. So it's a different, it, there's a different feel. So it really takes a real concerted effort, effort yeah. Yeah. to date, to date. But I want to circle back to something that you, you mentioned about the idea of longevity, because what's so interesting is someone sitting on the other side, when people come in and they say, we've been married 15 years I might have been happy for the first three and haven't been happy since. It's very different than someone comes in and they say, you know, we've been married for five years and it's clear that we're going um, in different directions. But there's something 
that we are tied to as a society about the idea of longevity. Mm -hmm. And I do think it comes from our parents and grandparents' generation. I come from a family where my parents have been married for 45 years. My grandparents have been married for, you know, 40 something years. My, I have aunts, great aunts right now. They have been married 60 years. I mean, we're talking about very long yeah. marriages. But what's interesting, I will say my parents are happily married, so I, which is a lovely thing. However, I know family members who stayed together for other reasons and oh, yeah. reasons, you know, health related, finances. Um, security. And so to look at someone and say, oh, again, we go to this hashtag relationship goals. They've been married 50 years. You actually don't know if those 50 years are happily married or if it's just they're just stay together for whatever the reason is. But we do tie a lot of the idea of marriage to this notion of longevity and let's just, you know, we're in for the long haul, no matter what. And a lot of people kind of get lost in that. I just got to stick it out because that's what you do. Yeah. Regardless of, of being unhappy. And so here you are saying, okay, I, 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 I've got to make this decision and it's now it's time but you have children and as and a mother so hard to make it work for my children well and and i i know just again from from experience i'd love to hear your thoughts on it deciding i am going to proceed with divorce because this is what's best for me and so by extension what's best for them but there are a lot of mothers who struggle with I'm going to proceed with a divorce because I want to stick it out for the kids. So for me, I feel like, um, which is interesting, my outcome still ended up being for them. So for me, I'm, I said, I'm going to stick it out for the kids. Like yes. I want them to be in a two-parent household. Um, the thing with my uh, husband and I is that both our parents you know, divorce. So, but his parents at 30, his parents got divorced after being married for 30 years. I'm like, 30 years, like, what's the point? Like, (laughs) you'd be surprised, you know, versus for me, you know, I think I was like five, kind of like Stone's age, you know? So I grew up, you know, having my dad's house, having my mom's house, having a stepdad. Okay. Um, and our my maternal grandparents were married 50 years, like, you know, like your, your parents, okay. your grandparents. His grandparents' paternal set married for 72 years. His maternal grandparents married for 65 years. See, yes. So we, we, we have the foundation to make it work. But for my boys, at first I said, I'm going to stay with him for them because I want them to grow up in a two-parent household. And then I said, when I told him I wanted a divorce, that I chose me. Yes. And then 
I took a step back and I'm like, I really still chose them because I left because of what I want them to see, not yes. what they were seeing. Yes. There were there were times, I mean, and and what was hard for me is that I left a good man. Like there were times that he'd come in and he'd kiss them first, where I wanted my boys to see their dad kiss me first. Sure. You know, I think. In so many marriages, we they, we revolve our relationship around the children, but it's supposed to be your spouse first, like yes. your, your partner if you don't marry, like, you know, but it's supposed to be that person that you made the children with. That person is supposed to come first in the relationship and then your children. Yes. And so yes. many of us are doing it the wrong way. We're putting the children first. And therefore, when we go on a date, all we can talk about are the children. Are the children. <laughs> We, we have don't nothing else to talk about. Other. Yeah. That's right. Well, and that's how you have people who, that's how you have couples who after 18, 20 years of marriage, after the youngest one uh, is out of the house, they have nothing to talk about anymore nothing. because yeah. the children are gone and they have lost the connection with one another. Yeah. And so um, many times you see and hear couples who are moving into a different direction because they just grew apart. They didn't know each other anymore. They stopped dating. They stopped being interested in what the other had going on. Um, and it just became about the children all the time. All the time, and so yeah. they So they lost, that, they lost that connection. I do want to point out, because I think it's important where you said, you know, here he was he's a good man and I the reason I, I bring that up is because there's a real misconception and I dispel this all the time every couple that is divorcing it's not because there's some drama it's right. not because it's anybody scandal, cheated right? <laughs> it's not a scandal all the time and and I think people think I'm lying half the time when I'm like actually they just grew apart like it's not there wasn't a thing the thing was they weren't growing in the same direction or they but it but it it, it's not scandalous it's not every every person who is getting a divorce or got divorced it's not because of some you know secret issue um there are many couples who are growing in a different direction and therefore it just wasn't the right the, the right fit to continue on. So I, I I think it's important to make note of that, especially when we talk about this idea of divorce being taboo and having a conversation around divorce, because there's so many misconceptions about why people get divorced and what that means and what it looks like. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, prime example of how we, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there are definitely times where, again, my type A perfectionism wanted us to perfectly divorce, you sure. know, and he moved on a lot faster than I think I would have or, okay. or that I did even. And so I had like hurt feelings behind that. And um, what was I about to say with that? But I think that's life though. Yeah, exactly. That's like my, my cousin, my my guy cousin, who's one of my best friends. He's like, "You're romanticizing divorce. You told him you don't <laughs> love him anymore. He can move on. Like, yes. you don't get to put a timetable on when he moves on." But yes, you know, that was hard for me. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Um, but in the 
I was going to say, you know, that part was hard. And, and, and don't get me wrong, that the breaking up wasn't perfect always. Or, I mean, we had struggle and strife. Sure. But I respect him enough that I let him read that blog post before I scheduled it to publish. Nice. Nice. That, that takes a level of respect, maturity, but everybody being on the same page, again, yeah. because we have children together. And exactly, yeah. regardless of us as the adults going in different directions, we will forever have a connection because we have two children together. Exactly, yeah. And that, and that makes a difference. You were, you know, you just referenced your cousin and as someone who it sounds like was, was supportive during your journey through, through divorce. And I want to talk about the idea of good supports and not so good supports, because we know that going through something like a divorce is not a one man thing. Everybody yeah. needs help in in some way, but not everybody has the capacity to be able to provide the type of support that is needed during right. the process. So how did you find the right support for you during this this time? Uh, you know, I am a bit of a tomboy. So my cousin Darnell <laughs> and I have more of a brother-sister relationship. And okay. so I told him four years ago, um, I told my grandmother before she passed away that I wanted a, wanted a divorce. And she's like, no, you know, she totally talked me out of it. And um, and you know, I had maybe spoke about it, like it was four years ago for sure that I'm like this, I, I don't think I'm gonna make it. Um, but you know, I feel like before I'd be immature, emotionally immature, where anytime there was conflict, I turned to divorce as the option as an out because I wasn't emotionally mature enough to accept that people that you love will disappoint you. Like, yes, you know, and that's a very immature way of viewing love because People are human. So right, of course, right. just because you love someone doesn't take away the ability for them to make a mistake and disappoint you. Right. Um, and so when I work through that, you know, with years of a therapist, then I'm like, okay, we have the same fundamental um, goals, you know, in common, like our how we see life in common how we want to raise children in common. And just as he was becoming more successful, you know, as a businessman, I think the more driven he became with everything that came with that. Okay. And that he was forgetting who he was doing it for. Okay. You know, and for me. And that happens. It happens. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. and again, because I know I'm emotionally insecure, the, biggest mistake a man can do for me is make me feel like he's taking me for granted. Like that I don't matter, like that I'm not a priority. I'm not important. The minute I start to feel that way, it's hard for me to, you know, jump off the ledge, so to speak. Yeah, I'm yes. on the ledge and my wheels are just turning of all the things as to why I'm not enough. Right. And right. so my blog made me enough. And as I was becoming more and more happier with myself, I I still wasn't turning to him to enjoy that happiness. Like it's like I was I was coming into my own as a woman and he was no longer 
the person I wanted my happiness with. Okay. It's so interesting because he's always kind of the optimist in terms of how people, uh, of how things work out. And I was always the pessimist in terms of how people treat people. But then I became like positive Polly and he became negative Ned (laughs) in the middle. (laughs) We learn and we grow and as we become our best self, yes, we start to accept some things and let other things go. And, and that's not a knock to anyone else, but it's the same thing. I think when you look back at the friends that you had in high school, then the friends that didn't make it past high school graduation, right? As far as your, your friendship with them, they were important during a a specific time period and then you grew in a different direction and then you had a different set of friends in you know college or in your early 20 years some of them are still around and maybe some of them aren't and again no issue as it relates to we had a big falling out or you just kind of grew in different ways and I think it's the same thing sometimes in marriage where you just look up and you say yeah you know I'm good. We yeah. we are not we have hit the space by which we are growing in a in a different direction. And I think yeah. that's so um again, emotionally mature of you to be at a place to say this is I think where we are. My blog is now my outlet. I am gaining happiness in this way. I'm coming into my own and I want to expand in that in that way. So with all of this, right, that's going on, and you are navigating now a divorce and figuring out co-parenting or, or the process of going from, you know, one household to two, not to mention maintaining um, your work with the blog and beyond, and then just being, you know, a individual who wants to do things on, on their own. There's a lot happening, but you're also a black woman who's navigating raising biracial and multicultural children during a time when there's been a lot of social unrest and overt racial divisiveness. How do you manage? How do you do it? And how do you help them see who you are and raise them or try to raise them in, in a way that um, imparts your upbringing and expanding beyond? Oh, and you know, I'm so happy you mentioned this because, you know, until, oh, sorry, I think the boys are actually coming in, so I hope they're not too loud. <laughs> yeah, okay, life. This is life. I know, I know. Um, so, you know, I feel like, I was just in my breast cancer bubble until um, racism lost to COVID in the fourth quarter. (laughs) 2020, right? Yes. And, you know, we hadn't had a conversation with the two of them about, you know, how they look um, or in terms of like their race. Like, sure. Yeah, you know, so yeah. So I guess the viewers probably don't know that my husband is white is a white man um hi honey 
Um, yeah, he stone came in to give me a, a wave. <laughs> so um, we had decided that we would have those tough conversations once they asked us about them. Okay. And a lot of that I felt was because, you know, having conversations with my dad, his generation had this weight of being Black on their shoulders. Yes. And I felt like a lot of times in those conversations, in terms of how he viewed and made decisions to do things, I think sometimes, I felt sometimes it was him being Black that held him back of thinking that he was even a possibility. Okay. And because my mom kind of raised me with the opposite in mind, I still am very aware <laughs> that I'm a black woman. Yes. I think I think non people of color assume that are friends with you if you're in a certain tax bracket assume that because of that that it erases your race. Right. And it doesn't it at all. <laughs> at all. Sometimes it makes it worse. Yeah. Lots of times, you know, like or yes. or even for us, we carry the the weight of yes. all of our skin because we have, you know, beat the stereotypes and the odds. Um, but you know, the summer of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Christian Cooper, the bird watcher guy, and yes. Breonna Taylor, I was just mentally physically, emotionally exhausted. Exhausted. I mean, yes. and then, you know, the witch hunts, I had someone like, I had a, quite a few people come after me, you know, on social media. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it was totally one of those, like, yes. I'm a nice person. And I, and I make a conscious effort to be nice to everyone, even if maybe they're not nice to me. But when you say something about my kids, yep. All bets are off. Yep. You, now you're going to know who I am. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. like Daisy allowed me to reintroduce. Myself. Exactly. Right. Yes. This girl came at me with, you know, as a as an influencer to two black boys. Are you going to say something about George Floyd because the silence is deafening? And I'm like, wait, what? And right. I just yeah. felt like. Forget being an influencer. Like, right. You know, That's right. Black woman. Like, right. First. And yes, I'm a black woman to two black boys that, you know, Trayvon Martin passed away when I was pregnant with Clark and okay. I was depressed. And then I was pregnant or just had stone when um, the poor boy in Ohio, Tamir Wright. Tamir. And, you know, I was, I, and I just remember being in a, place of like oh my goodness like you know what like is how is this yes. and just ha having my heart broken for black men yes because I mean it's like where 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 are they valued and honored in the world and then how people assume that because my husband is white that I don't honor and love right. and respect black men and and yeah. I have two black boys so my heart was bleeding or Christian Cooper, the Harvard-educated black man. It's like we're spending all this money sending yes. our son, our sons to an independent school where we will have paid the tuition of the tuition Harvard, of Harvard you know, by the yes. time they graduate twelfth grade. And you know, and and so that's what I think. What people don't 
realize it doesn't matter how much money I make, where I live, what my husband does, that I am still black and society is always going to see me as black and my children is black. And it was my race that was part of me not wanting to get a divorce. If people look at my ring finger now, immediately when I meet my boys. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, I'm, there's so much to, to this and, and, having this podcast is, is is really giving voice to this experience because that right there, I am, I'm married. I have two children and I will tell you, it's a rare day that I don't have my wedding ring on if I'm with my kids, because this, I feel like there's some stigma. If yeah. I go to a store and I don't have a ring on, but I have two kids that, you know, that as a black woman, it appears that I'm, you know, some uneducated yeah. individual with a bunch of kids, which is yeah. the furthest thing from the truth. And let's just be clear. This is no knock whatsoever to single moms at all, exactly. but it's the stigma by which single black women are often stereotyped as if we are dropping babies left and right with no sense of, you know, having an involved parent or co-parent or or father figure in the home for our children. And so I get that on so many levels. The other tie to that is the idea that as a Black woman, that if you are not married and if you say you are divorced, the stereotypes and the assumptions that come with that are tremendous. They're tremendous. And so, you know, not to mention that, so my sister is also married to um, a a white guy and the stereotypes and the assumptions that are made about her in her own blackness. And I'm going to put that in quotes because she is married to, to, a, to a white We're guy. discounted. Like, you know, to... It is. It's discounted. And I will tell you, you know, my sister will set somebody straight in a whole heart second. <laughs> so I, I, I'm constantly I'm constantly saying, please, somebody try her. Please yes, try her. right? <laughs> you know, because she is not the one to come for. But but in today's environment, and, and again, you know, circling to this what's going on and here you're navigating all of of this all while raising two black boys in a household and this is why I think it's so important that you said I had to do what was best for me because you're raising them to see the importance of happy parents but a happy mother regardless of whether my parents are together because I think it comes back to the idea that in raising children, especially as parents of, of black children, and, and I have a son and a daughter, it's so important for me that they see positive relationship between their parents yeah. and yeah. that they understand the value of self-worth that comes and it exhibited from us because the outside world isn't going to give that in the way that it may to others. And so it starts from what we are able to do. And part of that, I think for you, was being able to take the leap and make the decision to say, 
I'm I've got to do for me and 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 move forward to the divorce. So I I I think that's that's tremendous and and it's huge. You have referenced a couple times, so I do want to touch on that you also uh, were diagnosed with breast cancer. And at Sita, my head is swirling. <laughs> there is so much. I, I'm serious. Like I'm thinking, oh my god. I know. Divorce and then the the world is imploding and <laughs> we've got, you know, all this stuff and then you got just what I'm going to call internet trolls and boom. Here here you have this um breast cancer diagnosis which correct me if I'm wrong it's about a year ago now. Yeah, November will yeah, November 4th next week it will be 1 year and it was oh 6 months after I filed for divorce that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my gosh. I know. How did you, I I mean, seriously. I know. How did you have the strength? You know, push forward to put, you know, what's so interesting is divorce. I thought was the hardest thing that I'd ever had to do in my life. I really, I really did. Like, because you know, the thing with divorce, like we talked about how you live your life to please so many others. Like I knew I was disappointing so many people, like, you know, like, and, and then that, that racial stigma, you know, black women, like, you know, it was for me. And I never felt this way until I wanted a divorce. Like black women are difficult. We're high maintenance, you know, all of these stereotypes were coming to the forefront of my mind once I decided I wanted a divorce. And so I think of how I lived up until I asked for a divorce. When my grandmother passed away and when I started this blog, I was coming into my own where I was living my life unapologetically. I was no longer dimming my light for someone else to feel comfortable in my, in the same room, you know, in a shared space. Like, yes. If I'm just being who I am and that intimidates you, that is not about me. That's about, that's about you. You, That's about you. And so, you know, because I had finally gotten into that space of being so secure and comfortable in my own skin, regardless of how it made someone else feel, I was able to ask for that divorce and I was just so empowered that I was going to be taking care of myself and, you know, that I was okay with however the chips were going to fall for maintenance. You were moving forward, you know, like, and, and still being, you know, in a good space with Steven that we took the kids to France for two weeks, you know, over the summer, okay. you know, the month he moved out. Yes. Yeah, so he moved out August. What was it? July, July or August. He moved out and we took the boys in August. Um, and I came back and then I had quite a few trips. I went to Barcelona with my girlfriends. So I didn't think, I didn't see that on the radar at all. Okay. And, you know, I did have the, you know, the timing. It, was, it wasn't more of a why me because I got it because I'm not, you know, invincible. It was like, sure. why the timing? And then, you know, so I had that conversation with God, like, why? Why like, six months why now? For divorce? Right. You know, like, right? Yes. Exactly. And then, you know, at that moment, I just chose to look at the positive and everything because I'm like, well, I would have never filed for divorce, basically. You know, okay. like, yes. And yes. even 
even struggling with the idea of divorce as a Christian, you know, like you yes. can read the Bible until you're blue in the face. And some people tell you, you know, you're never supposed to get divorced, you know, yes. as a Christian, but it's like, well, then you stay unhappily married. You know, like there's so yes. many things come out of that. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to say, God, look, if you want this to work out, it'll work out. I kind of like finally surrender. And I'm like, if it's not supposed to work out, it's not going to work out. Yes. And so with breast cancer, I'm like, look, I finally decided to do the hardest thing I thought I'd ever have to do. Okay. Breast cancer, you're going to have to take a back seat, <laughs> you know, like, yes. I'm still going to live my life. I'm, yes. still, you know, I was planning to take the boys to the final four uh, game, you know, and what was it? March or April of 2020. Yes. You know, I was I was still working out. I, I like clockwork, lost my hair two weeks after um, I began chemo. Okay. Um, but I just felt fearless. I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm okay. going to use the same logic that I used to get pregnant with Clark. I, I read some British journal that said how laughter affected your body, and yes, you know, I just I laughed my way to cancer. <laughs> <laughs> like I, you know, I watched um, like a Kevin Hart and uh, what's the girl? You just dove in and yeah, said, Look, I just dove in. Like this is gonna be lighthearted romantic yes. comedy because now I'm like wanting love. And- <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, this, that actually might have been the best time, right? Because now <laughs> you're like, let me find any cheesy romantic comedy. Call up any Will Smith romantic yeah. comedy, right? Like. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then it goes back to, again, to race that I'm like, I am a Black woman. Yes. Part of my struggle having Clark was seeing only strong Black women. And, and you, we don't ask for help. Like you, we don't. We don't. I, I buried myself in motherhood and was drowning because yeah. of that mindset. So I'm like, while I was holding on to the word of being strong... I had to for my boys. Like, okay. I just, you know, what I took for granted was I never prayed, you know, to God that I'd see them grow up. Like, I I prayed for everything for them but that. I took it for granted. Okay. And, you know, but I wanted my boys, especially in the climate that we are in with this crazy president, I wanted my boys <laughs> to admire and adore strong women. Yes. And so I needed them to see how I handle adversity. Like I stared it in the face. I love it. And I took it on because I don't want them to be intimidated by strong women. Yes. I love it. I see that. I can't even tell you. I am so just, my heart is bursting and it's <laughs> bursting because there's so much to getting through adversity that comes from being a black woman and the things that we take on on a daily basis, the microaggressions, the concerns, you know, you spoke about the minute you were thinking about getting divorced, all of the things that goes through your head. It's all the stereotypes that rush through that, that we can't, no matter how successful we are, um, that, that we can't get past. But then here now, boom, you're diagnosed with breast cancer. And that in and of itself comes with its own 
host of, I got to figure this out. I got to get through this. But the idea of, okay, well, look, here's what I'm dealing with and I'm going to power through it. And I think that as black women, that our strength sometimes can be a blessing and a curse as we just talked about, because it's a blessing in that we can power through, we are resilient, we hold each other down, we hold ourselves down when others don't have the ability to. However, that strength sometimes can be very isolating and crippling because the idea of asking for help or showing weakness or vulnerability is not something that um, we do. And yeah. and I, I'm sure that's, again, why for me in reading your, your post and your blog, it resonates with me so much as a Black woman because it's, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but I'm going to tell you what's going on, but I'm going to keep it moving. Right, and to right. me, to me, it's, yes, I'm finding the strength to get through it, but I'm also strong enough to know that there are times when we need help. There are times yes. when we can't do it ourselves. And and having that balance is so important, not just for ourselves, but but for our children, because they too need to see that. And I yes. and I think that that in and of itself is huge. You know, I this podcast and, and my uh, social media handle is grown girl divorce. And, and I have a lot of people who say, what does that mean? And, and what is it? Where does that come from? And it's twofold for me, you know, having a grown girl divorce and being a grown girl means I'm taking care of myself. I'm empowered. I love myself fully. I'm securing my future. I'm protecting my, my children. And, and I'm, fulfilling all of these things together. So so to me that's that's really the grown girl in and of itself. Yeah. Separately, you talk a lot about your grandmother and the phrasing of grown is something my grandmother used to always say. And she would say it to me my- when I was getting out of pocket or doing something where, you know, she would say, "Girl, you ain't grown." Yeah. <laughs> And and so there was a there's this sense of when you become grown, right? That right. that everything you can't, that comes with that, right? Everything that comes with that. Now let's just be clear. My grandmother passed away earlier this year, and here I am in my in my forties, and I'm still not grown, and will will have never been grown. I know, you know, as it relates to to my grandmother, we but will forever be their babies. Right? We will forever, <laughs> forever. So, so to that, I, I say that you are definitely, definitely a, a grown girl, and and I I am so just thankful that that you shared with us your story today, and and. Um, have given us a glimpse into your your life and, and who you are in in this way, and I'm so appreciative. But before we we um, end, I would love to hear from you. What would you say to the woman listening right now who is facing divorce or facing that decision based on everything that you have now experienced or, or that you know? Oh, 
that's a good one. Um, I think what I would say is in terms of weighing what's more important, um, I think you come to, at least for me, I came to the conclusion of divorce or the decision of divorce because divorce was easier than dealing with the disappointment of my heart being broken by my husband again. Okay. And if you can handle that, you can fix it. I could not. So divorce was the easier choice. And I think it's important also, you know, we talked about how there's no scandal. Like there's so many ways in a marriage that you can have a broken heart without another person being involved. Yes. And I think people don't realize that. And especially when they see like someone's lifestyle, you you can't equate happiness and love to zeros in a bank account. Like you can't like, and I'd walk away from all, all of it again for what I'm looking for. And I, and I know I'll find it. And I know that person's out there because it was my husband 15 years ago. We yes. just grew apart. I love it. I, I love it. Please tell us where listeners can find you and follow you to get inspired and motivated and to check out your amazing fashion and travel Thank tips. You. I am on Instagram, Clark and Stone, and my website is clarkandstone.com and Facebook backslash Clark and Stone. And Clark and Stone are my son's names. I can't remember if I said that. <laughs> I love it. And they're they're great names. Yes. Yes. So excellent. The information will also be in our uh available in our in our show notes. Well, Sita, thank you so much for your transparency and your inspiration today. It has been my pleasure to connect with you. Thank um, you. Today. And thank and you so much for having me. Of course. We're gonna definitely have to have you back because there's like five different conversations that we could have had. <laughs> Let's do it. On so many ways, on so many ways. All right. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations.